So for the next five weeks, we're going to dive into the book of Acts. We'll be in the book of Acts for five weeks. And the reason is, is because in the book of Acts, you see an activated church. You see a church that isn't just a church that was back in the day. It's a church that, is a, that was the model for us today. The reason we have the book of Acts is because we get to see how the first church was started, and then we get to see how it became activated, and then what it began to do. You see, when the early church came into a city, they took over the city. It, they, when the church began to rise up in a city, it changed the city. My God, we need to be changing our city. Amen? There needs to be things getting better around here. Come on. Our schools should be getting better. Our government should be getting better. The poor should be getting better. The hungry should be getting better. Amen? Acts is our model for today. So go with me to Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. I want to read to you a story that I'm going to preach most of the message from today. It's a story about Peter and how the church prayed. I want to kick this first sermon, uh, sermon off with a message on prayer. Active access. Verse 1. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, but, underline that word but in your Bible, but, you know there's some good buts and some bad buts in the Bible? Yeah, this is a good but. But, but that while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. So watch this. One of the apostles, James, is just murdered with a sword. He was arrested. The church immediately comes under attack. The church, as soon as it's birth, gets attacked. Why? Because Satan doesn't want the church to rise up. Satan doesn't want the church to take the city. Satan doesn't want the church to multiply. And he sure don't want the church to start praying. Amen? So immediately the church comes under attack. James get a, he gets arrested and he's killed by the sword. And the king notices that the Jewish people are pleased. And in order to continue to please the Jewish people, he arrests Peter to do it again. You see, if it worked once, then it ought to work twice. Right? The problem is, is there's a but in that verse. Amen? There's a but in that verse. So the one constant theme in the book of Acts that you'll notice when you read through the book is that the apostles and the church constantly prayed. Here's the truth for you. No prayer, no action. No prayer, no movement. No prayer, no miracles. Oh, I'm ready for people to tell me, Pastor, I don't see miracles today. Well, you, you must not be praying. Come on. If you're getting bored with Christianity, it's because you quit praying. Because I can't help but believe if we pray to a God who's active, that he's not going to actively move. Right? He's going to move. He's going to do things, but no prayer, no movement. 
So let me show you a quick outline from the book of Acts and how they prayed. In chapter 1, they prayed before choosing leaders. In in chapter 4, they prayed after they were persecuted, not for protection, watch this, but for boldness. (laughs) The early church didn't pray, Lord, please take this persecution away. What did they pray? Lord, give us more boldness. Now that's some tenacity, right? (laughs) That's what's up. (laughs) I like that. That's what's up. (laughs) Chapter 6, the apostles gave themselves to constant prayer. Chapter 8, they prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 9, they prayed for signs and wonders. Chapter 10, they prayed for Cornelius and his whole family got saved. Chapter 12, they prayed for Peter to be released from prison, and he was. They prayed in chapter 13 and set people apart for missions work. Chapter 14, they prayed before setting aside new people for ministry. Chapter 16, they they prayed in prison and saw a miracle. Chapter 20, they prayed before departing to another church. 21, they prayed for Paul before he went to Jerusalem. 22, they prayed and worshiped, receiving guidance for for future plans. And then in chapter 28, they prayed for more signs and wonders. They prayed. The early church was birthed in prayer. What happened when they went into the upper room that day? The 120 people were in the upper room. What were they doing? They were praying, right, when the Holy Spirit came down and activated the church. And then right after that, Peter walks outside and preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people are saved, and boom, shalakalaka, the church is birthed. Amen? It's birthed right there in that moment. It's birthed outside of the prayer meeting. You never know what's on the other side of your prayers. And you'll never find out until you pray. Every great thing that God wants to do in you and through you is connected to your prayer life. The disciples in the book of Luke asked Jesus, they said this, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, they'd been with Jesus. They'd seen him heal the sick and the blind recover sight. They'd seen him raise the dead and multiply bread and fish and walk on water and turn water into wine. They didn't ask for the ability to do signs and wonders. What did they ask for? Teach us how to pray. Why did they ask for that and not for the ability to do the signs and wonders? You ever thought about that? It's because every day they saw Jesus depart and get alone with God, and when he came back, miracles started to happen. Everything that they were a part of came after a prayer meeting where Jesus got alone with God, and he prayed. He prayed, and miracles happened. And they put two and two together. They said every time he goes and gets alone with God and comes back, boom, things happen. I wonder if we could just get it in our minds today that if I'll just get alone with God and speak to him and pray and then walk back into my world, if I won't see some stuff happen, if I won't see some stuff change. There was something about Jesus that made him ask, teach us to pray. Mark chapter 9, the disciples were trying to cast a demon out of a little boy, and, 
and Jesus came down and it wasn't working. <laughs> you ever pray and it didn't work? <laughs> they were praying for this little boy and it wasn't working. I mean, can you imagine the disciples? I mean, how frustrating is that? You're like in public now and you're praying for this demon to come out of this little boy. It ain't working. Jesus comes walking by and he goes, he says, he says, this kind will be cast out only by prayer and fasting. Now watch this. As a believer, there's certain things that God gives us as children of God. There's certain things that he does for us just because we're his kids. But there's other things that we only gain access to and only get to experience when we pray. When we pray, you see, God's a participating kind of God. He loves for us to get in the game with him. And he wants us to, to carry some of the weight. He wants us to feel what he's getting ready to do. You ever feel a miracle? You ever pray for something until it happens? And then when it happens, you feel it? You ever have that experience? I'll never forget. There was a, there's a family in our church that lost a baby this year, and, and we had been praying fervently for, for weeks for the baby to be healed. And, and I remember I was on a tractor. They were in Houston at the, at, the, at the hospital, and the baby was born, and then it had serious complications, and I think either the next day or so, the baby ended up passing away. The minute the baby passed away, I had no clue what was happening. I'm in my tractor I just start, this thing just comes up inside. I just start crying. I, in fact, I started praying, Lord, no, Lord, no, no, Lord. I felt it. When's the last time you felt a prayer? When's the last time you felt something happen? Come on, that's when you know you're engaged is when you start to feel it. You start to carry the weight of it. Come on, we're called to bigger prayers than Lord bless this meal. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Lord, protect us as we travel. Protect the little kids as they go to school. That's great. Keep doing that. It works. But listen to me. We're called to bigger things. We serve a bigger God than that. Amen? That's not all he can do. It's like he's like, man, won't you just let me open up the governor a little bit, show you how this thing can run. Amen? <clears throat> Samuel Chadwick said, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from prayer. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Prayer turns ordinary mortals into people of power. It brings the fire. It brings the rain. It brings life. It brings God. There was no power like that of a prevailing prayer. Isn't that good? The devil's not threatened by your prayerless works. He's threatened by your prayers. Three thoughts on the, about active prayer. <clears throat> I want to give you this morning. I want to give you something to walk away with. We're going into 21 days of prayer, and I want you to be active. I want you to activate something today. Say today. Three thoughts about active prayer. Number one, active prayer changes things. If you're taking notes, they're in your notes. You just fill in the blank. Active prayer changes things. Look at Acts chapter 12, verse 5 again. It says, but, but, while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. You see that word but is a conjunction. It's saying this, that, that the, the plan was to do one thing, but... It's going to change. The, 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 the motion was going this way. It looked like everything was going to go this way, but conjunction, it's going to go this way. 
You see, that's what happens when we pray. Is that you can get a bad report from a doctor, he can tell you something, and you can be heading down that road of depression and worry and anxiety, and it's all looking like it's coming to an end. But if you'll pray, you'll apply a but to your situation, and it can change. It hits a conjunction. It says, no, we're not going that way. We're going this way. Peter was online. He was on deck to be crucified. He was on deck to be murdered. He was on deck to die. He just saw his brother James killed by the sword. Think about what he's feeling. James is a guy that he walked with Jesus with for years. A close brother that he prayed with. He's just killed by the sword. And Peter gets arrested the next day and thrown into prison to have the same thing happen Again, he just saw it. He just felt it. He knew what was coming. You ever get in those situations where you just you think you know what's going to happen? Oh, gosh. Come on, some of you are so good at predicting what's going to happen, you could tell us what it's going to be like till you get there. <laughs> Active prayer changes things prayer releases a bud in my life the bible says they prayed earnestly and i watch this there's a big difference between praying and praying earnestly praying earnestly means seriously with conviction <laughs> not flippantly but with conviction, with seriousness. Lord, you got to move in this situation. Lord, you got to save that knucklehead. Lord, you got to save him from himself. Lord, I got to live. I got more work to do. I'm not dying of cancer. I'm not dying of this. Not flippant. Oh, Lord, I, just, I hope you can do something. You remember the guy who, who went to Jesus and said, I think it was the, the guy with the, with the son they were trying to cast the demon out of, and the guy goes to Jesus, and he was just so real. He says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And right before that, he asked Jesus, would you heal my son if you can? And I see Jesus catching that. What do you mean, if I can? Bruh? Yeah. What do you mean, if I can? What did the guy say, though? It was a beautiful part of the story. The guy says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Luke chapter 22, Satan was trying to sift out Peter before he was named Peter. And Jesus said this. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Come on. How many of you are excited that Jesus is praying for you? How many of you are excited that he's interceding for you, the Bible says? When you don't know what to pray for, he's praying for you. Satan was trying to take Peter out, but Jesus prayed. <clears throat> The church was under attack. Peter was under attack. And we can find ourselves at times what feels like an attack. But you can change that. You don't have to just let what's going to happen happen. 
you can change that. You can change the course of what you think is going to be your history. You can change it. <clears throat> I know I feel this way, but this, and this is the attitude we need to have. I know I feel this way, but I know it looks like it's heading to this, but I know it feels like it can't get any worse than this, but... It's always been this way, but that's what I love about Jesus is that if somebody will just step out of themselves for just one minute and just say, Lord, I'm trusting you to just, my marriage, it, it looks done. Lord, my marriage looks done. It looks like it's over. I can't do anything else to fix it, but trust you to fix it. And trust you to change it. And then pray this. Lord, change me. <laughs> and watch a marriage change. Watch life start to happen. He'll start taking you on a date. She'll start being really nice to you. Prayer changes things, y'all. Come on. James 5.17 says this, that Elijah was a man with human frailties just like all of us, but he prayed and received supernatural answers. You see, Elijah was suicidal. He was insecure. He had a lot of issues, but the one good thing he had was he had prayer. You see, we focus on too much of what we have or don't have. You got access to pray, baby. You got access to call on God to change the situation. It doesn't matter what's in your hand. It's what's in your lungs, and it's what's in your access to God. Right? You have access to him. Pray, and things will change. Period. Don't pray, and they'll stay the same or get worse. I'm challenging you today to pray big prayers, the kind of prayers that only God can answer. Not the kind of prayers that you can figure up a solution to or you can maybe come up with a conclusion. I'm talking about the kind of prayers where you ain't got no clue how this is going to change, but God. Big prayers. Jim Cimbala said this, he said, you can tell how popular a church is by who comes on Sunday mornings. You can tell how popular the pastor is by who comes on Sunday night. And you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. Number two. Number one, active prayer changes things. Number two, active prayer changes me. Say me. Say I need to change. Before I ever worry about anybody else changing, I need to change. I need to trust God to change me first. Every time my wife and I get into a professional argument, I go into the other room and pray and tell God he needs to straighten that woman up, and I'm the one that gets straightened up. Not because I'm a woman, because I'm a man, and he needed to change me first. Come on. I ain't ashamed to say it. I'm usually the first one to apologize. That's what good leaders do. Active prayer changes me. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly. Watch this. For him. They prayed for Peter. Active prayer changed P. 
Peter, remember, he just saw his brother James die by the sword. He's now in prison being guarded by 16 guards. You know you bad when you got 16 people watching over you, right? I mean, what was he doing? Was he like Jeffrey Dahmer? I mean, was no, he was like a preacher. Got 16 guards watching over him. The Bible says, you walk with the wise and you'll become wise. It says, bad company corrupts good morals. Sociologists say that if you look at your five closest friends, it's a good picture of what your future looks like. You want me to say that one more time? If you look at your five closest friends, it's usually a picture of what your future is going to look like. So the people you surround yourself are the people that are influencing your life. Are you hearing me this morning? So what does this tell us? That our relationships matter, right? So if this is true, and I believe it is, what happens when a Christian spends time with God? What happens when God becomes your closest friend? What happens when God becomes your greatest influence? You might just become like him. You might start acting like him. You might start believing like him. You might start to get his faith. Uh Uh-oh. Watch out. The more I spend time with God, the more I want to be like him. The less I spend with him, the more I want to be like me. And I don't even like me. (laughs) Your relationships matter. John 14, 5 from the message translation says, live in me. Make your home in me just, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined to me. It's an invitation to be connected to Jesus. Your job title does not matter. Your social status does not matter. Your financial status does not matter. If you're connected to the vine, you're going to grow. You're going to grow. If you're connected to the vine, you're going to produce fruit. In other words, your life is going to be fruitful, good tasting, pleasing. It brings nourishment to the world around it. If you're connected to the vine. So stop looking at what you look like on Facebook or in social media and start looking at whether or not you're connected to the vine. How much time do we spend worrying about whether or not we're connected to Wi-Fi? We got a connection? Can we get a connection? Go to McDonald's. They always got a connection. We have cops that come park back here because we free Wi-Fi. We don't put a password on it. So they park, and I think it's, it's a pretty good deal. I didn't even come up with the plan myself, but we get, like, free security for our Wi-Fi. <laughs> but they're always trying to connect. We're always trying to connect with something, right? How much time are we spending being concerned if whether or not we're connected with Jesus? Are we connected with the vine? Is, is fruit coming out of my life? Or am I the same person I was last year? Jesus says when a vine or a branch doesn't produce fruit, what does he do? Make a better sound. Snip. He cuts it off, right? And then he throws it into a fire. Why? So that it can produce better fruit.
There's a great danger in trying to be like Jesus without ever being with Jesus. You see, when you're connected to the vine, you ain't got to wear a t-shirt that says who you are. When you're connected to the vine, you ain't got to advertise nothing. You are the advertisement. When you're connected to the vine and you're spending time with Jesus, he'll send people into your life because you're ready to share your fruit now. Oh, you ain't hearing what I'm saying. You don't have to tell somebody, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. They already know. That's when you walk into a department store and the person trying to help you out goes, you go to church? I'm just looking for a dress. I mean, I ain't looking. They know. Why? Because your life is producing fruit. You don't have to advertise. Come on. If you're connected. If you're connected. (laughs) There was a guy who tried to cast out demons because Paul was casting out demons. Remember that? What the demon told him. I know Paul. I don't know you. Jumped all over his head. He ran away naked. I don't want that to happen to you. <laughs> Amen, Pastor. Connect with the vine. <laughs> You'll stay clothed. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, we can, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We're being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level to, of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We can all draw close. Every one of us is responsible for our relationship with Jesus. Nobody else is to blame. Your prayer life is your responsibility. Your connection with him is your responsibility. You have access. You've been given permission. You got a pass to come into his presence. Are you using it? How do I change? I draw close to Jesus. How do I become transformed? I draw close to Jesus. How do I get healed of hurts and wounds and habits and hangups? Draw close to Jesus. Every person in the Bible who drew close to Jesus was changed. This is what the 21 days of prayer is all about. Because I think we all understand what happens in summertime. Right? I could show you statistically what happens in summer. Church attendance goes down. That says a lot. That says that people aren't concerned about their spiritual life. They aren't concerned about what God's doing in their community because they're busy taking care of self. And listen, we all need to rest, and there's nothing wrong with vacation, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But that's the reality to all of us. And so for 21 days, we're saying as a church, it's time to get planted again. It's time to reconnect to the vine again. It's time to start producing fruit again. It's time to snap out of the summer slump and get busy again. Amen? It's time to become active even in your prayer life. So number one, active prayer changes things. How many of you want to see things change? Act Number two, active prayer changes me. How many of you say I could change? And then number three, no matter what happens, we must trust God. No matter what happens, we must trust God. Verse six, 
the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. When's the last time you slept with a chain on? I'm not talking about the one around your neck. I'm talking about the ones on your, on your ankles and your, and your wrist, chained off to two people you don't even know that probably stank. When's the last time you've been chained to somebody and you fell asleep? When's the last time you've been in a crisis and there's been peace in your life? The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he just saw his brother die. He knows what's coming down the road for him. He was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. When's the last time you slept with about 16 grown men watching you? They tell me I've never done a sleep study, but they say to go do a sleep study is hard because you have a hard time sleeping (laughs) for the sleep study, right? Because they put all these things on you is what they tell me. I would have a hard time because it's a different bed. I know people are monitoring my, it just don't feel right, right? Ain't happening. Peter is in prison with 16 guards watching him. Two of them shackled to him, and this brother's sleeping. I think it's hilarious. He's sleeping through his problems. Peter's on death row. <laughs> he goes to sleep. Where did he learn to sleep in the middle of his problems? We talked about influences in relationships, right? What did Jesus do when the boat was sinking? Sleep. Now, for some of you, this isn't an excuse to continue to sleep your life away, okay? <laughs> don't, don't misinterpret this message because some of you are like, see, I'm going to bring this home and tell my husband I can sleep. I can take them four-hour naps during the day. It's Jesus did the same thing. I'm not worried about nothing. That's not what I said. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, Peter is sleeping. God sends an angel to wake him up and break him out of prison because the church was praying. You remember the but earlier in verse 5? He was on death row, but the church earnestly prayed for who? For him, and he changed. They prayed for him, and he went to sleep. The Bible says he was sleeping so hard, the angel had to strike him. That's not like, hey, baby, wake up. No, that's like, get up, bruh. I do that to my son. I go in the room. I flick the lights on, pull the covers back off of him, and I grab his underwear and I give him a big old pop. Why? Because he needs to wake up. Otherwise, he's gonna, when I move and leave, he's going to turn over, turn the light off, cover back up, and go back to sleep. He had to strike him to wake him up. It was a deep sleep. You see, he was supposed to be freaking out, right? If you were on death row, you would be freaking out, sitting in the corner, chewing up all your nails, didn't know what's going to happen, worried to death, about to have a heart attack, right? But what's Peter doing? He's sleeping in the middle of his problem because the church earnestly prayed for him. I'm sure he prayed for himself, and he had a peace inside of him that says, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to be all right. Watch this. Whether I get what I want or not, I'm going to be all right. Oh, that's a good one right there. Because some of you get anxious because you're worried you're not going to get what you want. 
and you're more worried about what you want than what God wants. Oh, don't, don't get quiet. He's sleeping. The angel strikes him. Get up. We got to go. Ain't got time to stay here. The shackles fall off. Peter walks out the prison. I wonder what would have happened if the church didn't pray. I wonder what would have happened if the church just gave one of those passive prayers. Oh, Lord, take care of Peter. Hope he's okay, Lord. It was good to know him. They took it serious. In fact, they took it so serious that, that, that when Peter gets out of prison, he knocks on the door where, where everybody's at, and a little girl runs up to open the door. She sees Peter, and she shuts the door in his face and runs back to tell everybody that Peter's at the door. And Peter's like, bro, let me in. They after me. <laughs> Can you sleep when your bills aren't getting paid? Can you sleep when the doctor gave you a bad report? Can you sleep when the, you don't know how the situation is going to work out? Can I tell you it's hard? Oh, I struggle. You want to know what keeps me up at night? It's not the bills. My wife will say amen to that. It's not the bills. It's not usually even the circumstances. It's not whether or not somebody gave me a bad report or not. That usually don't keep me awake. The thing that keeps me awake is relationship issues. I'll smooth, lose some sleep over some relationship issues. Me and you get a little thraka going on, I, I, I'm going to lose some sleep. Instead of just sleeping and trusting and know that God is going to take care of it and we're going to work it out tomorrow, I, I can't sleep. I, I toss and turn all night. I play situations. I rewind the tape. I listen to the argument or the, the thing again, and I go, oh, God. And then I, then I start to play forward. You ever do that? You ever start to, like, play a prediction of what's going to happen? Oh, well, they're going to say this, and then I'm going to say this, and then this is what's going to happen, and then they're going to say, you're right, and I'm wrong, and all this is the... Pray for me, okay? Pray for me. I know the rest of y'all all looking at me like, man, you crazy. I got issues. Sleep through most of them. And I'm learning how to sleep through the rest of them. We're all in process. We're all making progress if we're connected to the vine, right? I'm not perfect today, but I'm heading that way, right? I'm not the same as I was yesterday. I'm getting better. No matter what happens, I'm going to trust God. There was a story in the Old Testament in, in the book of Daniel. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember the story of the fiery furnace? Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, 18, it says this. They're, they're talking to the king. They just got in trouble because they didn't worship the statue of the king. And they're standing before the king, and the king that ordered that every, anyone who did not worship his idol or his statue was going to die in the fire. And this is their plead. This is their, them pleading for their case. Verse 17, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God whom we serve is able, say able, to save us. 
He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. They had such trust and such faith in God because they consistently, fervently prayed and they grew because they were connected to the vine that they said, if God does not save us, but even if he doesn't, I'm still trusting that whatever he does is going to be the right thing. Wow. Where are you at today? Are you at that place where, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are? Where you could say, you know what? God's going to deliver me. God's going to save me. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. And even if he doesn't show up like I think he needs to show up, I'm still going to trust him. And I'm still not going to bow down to this fear or this anxiety or this worry. Come on, somebody. I'm not bowing down to those gods. Don't let fear, anxiety, and worry become your God. You spend more time with them than you do with God himself. Uh Uh-oh. Don't worship fear, worry, and anxiety. Spend your time with God. And in that process, he'll change things, he'll change you, and your trust in him will grow. Amen? It'll grow. It's amazing to me that we grow the most when we go through the most. Right? I hate trials. I hate situations. I hate circumstances. I hate problems. I hate all those things. But I've come to learn that that's when I grow the most, if I'll stay connected to the vine. Will you still trust him? Will you continue to pray even when you're not getting what you want? Will you continue to pray or will you throw a tantrum? Will you pout? Will you stop praying? Because too many of us stop praying when we don't get what we want. You know how you start praying? You start praying. You open your mouth. Dear Lord, I've been a knucklehead. However you need to start, right? Right? 